Hey friends, it's Kevin. Welcome to the Better Bible Reading Podcast. Glad to have you with me for another episode. I spend a lot of time dealing with ideas that should help us with our productivity, consistency, time management, all of that. So there's a way in which we can think of the things that we talk about on this podcast as directly relating to what do I need to do next? What do I need to stop doing to improve my Bible reading? And while there is so much of the Christian life that is uh, positively affirming the idea of self-discipline and actively pursuing something or actively refraining from something else, like we can't live a passive Christian life. We can't assume that we're robots, or we can't assume that um, God is going to magically, you know, do something to us or for us uh, in terms of living out the Christian life moment by moment. Uh, Of course, when we talk about salvation, we're talking about something that God does completely for us without our uh, activity or without us making it happen. But what I'm talking about is the actual nuts and bolts of the Christian life that we have to be active. We have to uh, approach it with a hands-on attitude. And that means that we, we tend to think about reading our Bibles, studying things about God in that same way. And that's completely true as well. And I, again, you know, I would say 99 out of 100 episodes on average, are dealing with how we do that on this podcast. However, it does matter what we think about the process of interpreting the Bible and coming to understand it better than we did earlier today or yesterday or two years ago. There's a way in which we should think about those things beyond our own abilities or beyond our own activity. And what I mean by that is we should be able to deal with the question, in fact, we have to deal with the question of what is the role of the Holy Spirit in Bible interpretation? Now, this is a very divisive question because people tend to answer this question in one of two extreme sides. Um, You could have people say, well, the Holy Spirit plays absolutely no role in Bible interpretation. It's purely a literary and grammatical discipline to interpret the Bible. On the other hand, you could have people answer the question of Bible interpretation and the Holy Spirit's role as saying that the Holy Spirit has everything to do with interpreting the Bible because Bible interpretation has nothing to do with grammar and literary genres and kind of the science of Bible interpretation, if you will. So there's a a divide, not only of what the Holy Spirit's role is in helping us interpret the Bible, 
but also what exactly we mean by interpreting the Bible. And as long as we are clashing not only with how much the Holy Spirit influences Bible interpretation, but also what Bible interpretation is in the first place, uh, we're never going to be able to get to a satisfactory answer that, for me, uh, maintains that balance of not drifting towards one extreme or the other. Now, what I don't mean by that is that Bible interpretation is 50% us and 50% the Holy Spirit. Um, But I want to share some thoughts on this topic um, that I hope by the end will help you maybe think through this. I'm going to include some scripture references when uh, necessary to help us uh, think through this, uh, because after all, we want to understand Bible interpretation and we want to understand the Holy Spirit based on what the Bible says. Uh, That's where we go to for our authoritative understanding. That's where we build our definitions from as well. So let's let's kind of engage in a thought experiment here of what is the role of the Holy Spirit in Bible interpretation. Well, it is true that there are many people who are devoid of the Holy Spirit, who do not have the Holy Spirit, who are not Christians, maybe they don't even believe in God, and nevertheless, they are interpreters of the Bible. The reality of interpretation in this way means that it has nothing to do with whether somebody has the Holy Spirit. Um, Interpreting the Bible has always been something that anyone goes about doing, and most of them, or a large majority of them, I should say, never have stopped to say, well, am I allowed to do this? Am I a Christian, or do I have the Holy Spirit? And if they fail the the litmus test there, then they say, oh, well, I can't interpret the Bible. Well, of course not. Many people go on about their merry way interpreting the Bible without any blushing whatsoever. And this was happening all the way back during the time of biblical writing. When you turn to the Old Testament, you see that there are false prophets who are speaking on behalf of God, who are building a system of doctrine, if you will. This is who God is. This is what he says. This is how we're supposed to live uh, with no regard for God. And the Bible rightly calls these people false prophets, and especially in the New Testament, false teachers. Think of Peter, Paul, John. All of these apostles who are authors of books in the New Testament, they're busy about the business of helping the church of Jesus Christ understand what true Christian doctrine is. They're helping us interpret the Bible, i.e. the Old Testament, and bringing to light what the New Testament is now saying through their pen in hand or quill in hand, and they're warning us about false teachers. They're warning us about false doctrine. And even uh, the half-brother of Jesus, Jude, 
uh, warns of false teachers as those who are devoid of the Spirit. So these people are busy helping us go astray, uh, these false teachers. They're actively trying to lead us into falsehood, and they're doing that by promoting a certain doctrine or a whole range of doctrines that contradict what the rest of Scripture says, certainly contradict what Jesus was going around teaching. And one of the hallmarks of these people is that they were devoid of the Holy Spirit. They did not have the Holy Spirit, and yet they were still engaged in the business of Bible interpretation, if you will. Now, this means that for the Bible, the idea of interpreting the Bible, if you will, if that doesn't sound too circular of a statement to you, uh, that Scripture itself teaches that there is such a thing as hermeneutics, the science of interpretation, that it does often happen for people who don't have the Holy Spirit, which means that if we're going to biblically understand the role of the Holy Spirit in interpreting the Bible, then we have to say that the two are connected, but not entirely the same. And that means that Bible interpretation is not restricted to the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, before you say that I have fallen off the deep end and I am no longer an Orthodox Christian and I'm now running around saying that we can get along just fine interpreting the Bible without uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, let me remind you that James the other half-brother of Jesus, warns us that in chapter 2 of James, that even the demons believe and shudder. Now, in context, what we find in that passage in the book of James is that the demons had right, correct doctrine. You could say it this way. The demons understood the message, the interpretation of Old Testament prophecies having to do with Jesus and the big idea of what God is up to and what God is accomplishing through the course of history, that they had a correct understanding of that. In other words, demons can have a 100% accurate Bible interpretation. Uh, you could even argue that Satan himself is a better theologian than many of us. He has more of the right answers than we do. He understands what is going on theologically more than we do. Now, of course, he's self-deceived and all of that, uh, but think about the way that Jesus runs into the demons throughout the gospel accounts. These demons had a more accurate understanding of who Jesus was. In fact, they were the only ones that knew precisely who Jesus was, while many people around Jesus had no idea who he was and were completely mistaken of what his uh, ministry goals were as the Messiah. And yet these 
demons knew that he was the son of God, and they knew what he had come to the earth to do, and they knew uh, that their time was short, so to speak. So the point that James is making, the point that I'm making, is that even demons can have a proper understanding of biblical interpretation, and they certainly do not have the Holy Spirit. They certainly are not Christians. They certainly um, are not saved and will not be saved. So what does that mean? Well, it means that the role of the Holy Spirit is beyond an accurate understanding of what the text says. Bible interpretation can be and is, grammatically speaking, literally speaking, a correct understanding of what the text says. A correct understanding, whether it's a prophetic passage, whether it's a narrative passage, whether it's meant to be understood symbolically in apocalyptic books like Revelation or uh, prophetic figures of speech, or if it's meant to be a literal account of something, right? We can understand these things. We can have a correct interpretation of these things even if we don't have the Holy Spirit. That is not what the primary task of the Holy Spirit is. Now, if the question is, okay, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in Bible interpretation? What is the Holy Spirit's role in this whole enterprise? Well, I think a good definition comes from the book, Introduction to Biblical Interpretation, Uh, and there's a handful of authors, but the primary one is William Klein. And the answer for the Holy Spirit's role is this. The Spirit convinces God's people of the truth of the biblical message and then convicts and enables them to live consistently with that truth. I think that's a helpful understanding of what the Holy Spirit's role is. Let me read that again. The Spirit convinces God's people of the truth of the biblical message and then convicts and enables them to live consistently with that truth. So in other words, the Holy Spirit does the work of bringing the Word of God from our heads to our heart. There's no supernatural correlation between learning biblical Greek for the New Testament and the Holy Spirit any more than there is between learning English and the Holy Spirit, right? The learning biblical languages is a great way to help in understanding the message of the Bible, but it's the Holy Spirit who brings home, if you will, the message by teaching God's people the significance of the message. I think this helps understand that that correlation between what do we do about non-Christians engaged in interpreting the Bible and Christians engaged in interpreting the Bible, and is Christianity all about intellectual power and book smarts and the ability to learn all these different biblical languages, or is it something else entirely? Well, again, there are many non-Christians who have the ability to learn Biblical Greek or Hebrew in the Old Testament, 
And these people can gain a grammatical advantage in understanding the Bible. I mean, think about how dependent we are. Uh, You would hope that people who are interpreting the Bible and translating it into English are, in fact, Christians. But just think about how how much you and I are dependent upon the academic work of others to even be able to read our Bibles. Because unless you know Greek and Hebrew, biblical Greek and Hebrew, there's no way that you're going to ever be able to read the Bible. Because in order to get it from those original languages into our language, English, it has to be translated. And to translate from one language to another, you have to know grammar. You have to know all of the linguistic features. You have to be able to engage in that grammatical discipline of interpretation. And people can do this and accurately understand what the text says, even without being a Christian, and that is even without having the Holy Spirit. The problem is, we can become snobby on either side here. We can say, well, if you don't have the the grammatical side of things with Bible interpretation, then you can't ever understand what the text says. So, let's just cash in all the way and say that Bible interpretation really has, you know, 99% to do with understanding the grammar and the genre and the context and the history and all of that kind of stuff. Well, that would be wrong because that would assume that the more we know, the more spiritual we are as a result. And again, I'll just cite you know, James' example of the demons who believed and they shudder because they they believe and yet they don't have a saving knowledge applied to them whatsoever. Same can be said for the devil himself. But on the other hand, we can say, well, since it doesn't matter how much grammar we know, how much book smarts we have, uh, because we're None the better for those things, we must have the Holy Spirit apply the text to our hearts, then none of those things matter, and they're just points of of preference. Well, that would be wrong because again, you don't you can't even have your Bible in front of you and read it to your heart's content without being able to understand subject verb agreement, to understand uh the role of exclamation points and question marks and quotations and sentence structure and genre, right? I mean, you are using grammar, you are using linguistic tools to read the Bible just like you do any other book, and you can only read it in your language because somebody went to the academic effort and work of getting the Bible into your language. So, we're forced to live with a balance. We're forced to live with a balance between the grammatical approach to Bible interpretation. We have to engage our minds. We have to engage our our thoughts, our mental focus to following the text. 
where it goes to reading comprehension to reflection of what the lesson is who the characters are what the plot is where the resolution can be found and we can do all of that without saying that the bible is a fable or anything like that we're we're just undertaking all of the grammatical and literary forms that are found in the Bible as part of Bible interpretation, but we're maintaining that important part of interpreting the Bible with the balance that the Holy Spirit is the one who can get it and who is the only one who can get it from our heads to our hearts. And then I might even add from our heads to our hearts and hands that it convinces us, it convicts us of the truth of God's Word. We make it our own in that way. It comes to bear in our hearts, and subsequently it comes to bear in our lives. And there's the idea of the hands, how we interact with others, what our lives are built upon, what we are about the business of doing day in and day out. And that's kind of the idea that you get in the opening of our eyes, uh, for example, in Psalm 119, uh, really, if you rehearse the entirety of, of Psalm 119, but just uh, you know, a couple passages that come to mind, uh, we're told that God's Word is, is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, um, that we want Him to open our eyes, that we can behold wondrous things out of His Word, out of His law. That when our bodies cling to the dust, uh, when our bodies are burdened and broken, that we want strength and life to be given to us from his word. Those are all themes and concepts that you can find in Psalm 119, talking about what God's word does beyond the grammatical, intellectual understanding of what the words say. But these are all uh, images of how. God himself, how the Holy Spirit brings his word to bear in our lives, how he gets it uh, hidden in our hearts so that we may not sin against him. Those are the supernatural elements of Bible interpretation, and those are uh, evidences and those are works of the Holy Spirit himself. Jesus himself says to the apostles, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And just a chapter later, Jesus says in John 17, that high priestly prayer, he says, your word, speaking to the Father, your word is truth. As we take both of those concepts together, when Jesus speaks about the Spirit of truth, he says the Holy Spirit, his goal is to guide us, guide believers into truth, and to bear witness to the words of the Son and the words of the Father, i.e., the Holy Spirit works to hide the Word of God into our hearts. That is what he is about the business of doing. And so I hope that these considerations are helpful to you, because 
I do think that we live in a time where we can make Bible interpretation a purely pragmatic topic where it's all about the things that I talk about on the podcast or over on the YouTube channel. It's all about productivity. It's all about reading comprehension. It's all about getting the best Bible to understand what the text is saying right in front of you, to put away distractions. I mean, these are all things that I talk about all the time, and they are so important, obviously, because I I talk about them so much. But we can fall into a trap of thinking that if we just do those things, uh, then we'll become more spiritual. If we just do those things, then we can be, you know, level one, then maybe level two, maybe level 10 Christian one day if we just follow those steps. And we can really get into a legalistic endeavor. And not legalistic because the things are wrong, but legalistic because we think if we do the things, then we automatically become spiritually mature as a result. And then on the other hand, uh, we can be such loose cannons by saying that, well, I don't want to be legalistic, so I'm just not going to have any interest in the historical context of a passage or uh, the difference of what kind of genre this book in the Old Testament is with this book in the New Testament. I'm not going to care about which translation is the most accurate to the original text. I'm not going to spend any time trying to even learn maybe some uh, biblical Greek or Hebrew just to enhance my understanding of the Word, because it's all about the Holy Spirit's work. So why even bother with all of those other things? And most people that feel this way are not going to be disciplined in reading their Bible, so they're going to have a very sporadic experience reading their Bibles. They're not going to be consistent with it. Um, They're the kind of toss the Bible in the air, and whenever it hits the ground, whatever page it opens up to, well, that must be what page the Holy Spirit wants me to focus on today. And uh, just quite frankly, that does not communicate any sense of spiritual maturity either, because we just talked about how the Holy Spirit's primary task is to hide God's Word in our hearts so that we would model our lives accordingly to His Word. And if we claim to be led by the Spirit, it's suspect if we don't even spend time reading the words that the Spirit comes to bring into our lives. If the Spirit's primary task is to hide God's Word into our hearts, and we spend no time reading God's Word, then we might claim to be led by a spirit, but that so-called spirit is completely divorced from the words that we're supposed to be spending time reading. So that's a problematic approach, too, and that's why I say we have to maintain a balance here when it comes to Bible interpretation. Yeah, we can, we can do all the heavy lifting of understanding the grammatical implications of the text, reading comprehension, all of that. And we can accurately understand what the text is saying. But we need the Holy Spirit for that to have any impact on us whatsoever, especially to have any saving 
impact. We we need to live in complete reliance on God that we wouldn't read the Bible and come away puffed up with pride because we understand it uh, in terms of the grammar. We want God to bring his word fully to bear on our lives and so that we would be changed, so that we would resemble our Savior, Jesus Christ, so that God's word would have its full and complete effect on us. And we can't do that, regardless of how many languages we know, regardless of how much we can understand the prophecies in the Bible. We have to have a balanced approach of respecting all of the grammatical implications of interpreting the Bible while also respecting the Holy Spirit's work because He is the one who is bringing the Word into our hearts to form us and shape us. So I hope this is an encouraging way to maybe help you to think beyond the pragmatism of just focusing on the productivity part of this whole better Bible reading endeavor. And I also hope that it might correct some of you who maybe you're a new listener and you're very skeptical about uh, taking up uh, all of these habits and and lifestyle modifications uh, in order to get us into a better frame of mind to read our Bibles on a consistent basis. Because maybe you've thought that those things are automatically bad and legalistic and maybe stealing away from the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, I think we can live in a harmony. We can live in a balance of maintaining both of these ideas. The Bible certainly calls us to action in the Christian life, and the Bible calls us to rely upon the Holy Spirit so that all of the work we do is not in vain, but instead has God's Full effect and outcome to make us like Jesus Christ and to set us apart from this world uh, to love and serve him and be used by him as a light. I hope this helps you to do that. I hope this gets you thinking, and I hope that this is encouraging to you, wherever you might find yourself in your Christian walk and your relationship with your Bible. Have a great rest of your day, friends. Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in more resources, please head over to betterbiblereading.com and you can discover articles, uh, other previous episodes, the YouTube channel, and most importantly, a free course uh, that does help you to do many of these uh, productivity approaches to reading the Bible that I've talked about on this episode and always being sure to marry those into the idea that uh, we rely on the Holy Spirit moment by moment as Christians. All right, well, have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.